little girls, this seems to say, never stop upon your way, never trust a stranger friend, no one knows how it will end, as you're pretty, so be wise, wolves may lurk in every guise, now, as then, tis simple truth, sweetest tongue has sharpest tooth. Right, welcome to the Filmwork Podcast. We are going to do a film club edition this week, and this is going to be like nothing you've ever heard from us before. Am I right? That's very true. That's Ben Pegley speaking. <laughs> Hello. And when he says it, you can believe it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've picked a bit of an odd double bill. Now, there's one film that I've been meaning to do for... Well, I've been meaning to do both of these, actually, for a long time, but The Company of Wolves is the second film I think we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. And I've been wanting to do this one for a long time, and I was going to do this back when we had Lauren and Susie on the podcast, but it just never came to fruition. And the other one I've had on my list of film club potential titles to do, and for some reason my Blu-ray copy ended up in the post on its way towards you. (laughs) That's right, it did. And uh, yes, and thank you very much for that. You're welcome. <laughs> the Baby of Macon, which is yeah. where we will start. Yes. Peter Greenaway's The Baby of Macon, starring Julia Ormond and Ray Fiennes. Indeed. And I believe this was Ray Fiennes, it was like his second film role, I think. Really? He'd done Wuthering Heights previous to this, certainly on feature film. Wuthering Heights previous to this, and which was 1992. This was 1993, and then he did Schindler's List the same year as this. Yeah. after this and then that's obviously when he hit the big time yeah i saw this film in retrospect in fact I, this is one of these films where i sort of turned it on when it was already halfway through yeah so this is going to be a channel four job and or uh, bbc2 one or the other at the time in the uk and it was the scene where she comes in to murder the baby i'll, I'll uh, talk about the plot very quickly when i backtrack in a second uh-huh. but that's the that's the point where i came in for the film and obviously it's it's such a lush looking film visually mm-hmm. I was drawn in and I was drawn in not least by Julia Ormond as well who I had a huge crush on back in this time because around about this time she also made a bit of a name for herself in films like Legends of the Fall oh yes yes I had a bit of a thing for for her as well she she was lovely yeah, yeah brunettes they know it yeah although I totally missed this movie so was this, this the first viewing for you, The Baby of Macom? Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, weirdly, I uh, I totally missed this one. Um, strange. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a big Greenaway fan. Although I had I'd seen Draftsman's Contract. Um, I'd seen that on TV, and I went to the pictures to see uh, the Cook, the Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, but didn't really. I mean, I and I, and I liked that. It was a you know strange film, sumptuous to blah 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 blah. You know, yeah 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 yeah. I liked it, um, but it didn't kind of. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't even know of this film until you mentioned it. So that's how kind of. Uh, and uh, and weirdly, I even. Um, I'm not even sure that you mentioned that it was um, Peter Greenaway before you sent mm. it to me. Okay. And, and I put it on to watch, and and uh-huh. it's it, you know it testament to the man himself. I, I, mm. I put it on, and literally the moment I I saw the first kind of couple of scenes, 
I was like, yeah. this is really reminding me of The Cook the Thief. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. That's why. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think this is the film he did after The Cook the yeah. Thief, his wife and her lover. Yeah. That's right. It is. And I've not seen it all the way through. I tried to get through it once and I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? It's <laughs> so bizarre. But he does have that sensibility about his filmmaking, doesn't he? It's very stagey. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's been around for a long while. The other one that, I, <laughs> bizarrely, the one that made the most sense to me was the fucking Shakespeare one he did which was Prospero's books mm. which was his adaptation of The Tempest which I really enjoyed with John Gilgood mm. but yeah no this one is no less bizarre but let, just for the sake of people that have not seen it I will fill them in so I'm actually going to read from the page which I've only ever done once before in the podcast so bear with me so The Baby in Macon is about if you can even say that basically what we're watching is a play being put on in the 1600s and it is being watched by an audience who then also interact with the play itself and then also so it's kind of like the fourth wall has been broken by the audience watching the play but then we ourselves are an audience watching this audience watch this play is that right that is about the long and short of it yeah yes so the plot in the actual play itself is a town which is Macon um, has been cursed with barren women and famine and is saved by the miracle birth of this child to an ugly old woman. The daughter of this woman played by Julia Ramond claims to have delivered the baby herself in a virgin birth and she imprisons the mother and begins to exploit the baby by selling blessings to the desperate townspeople. Now, the church get wind of this, and the bishop's son, which is Ray Fine's character, who is a believer in science, and he's a bit of a sceptic, doubts what she's doing. So she attempts to convince him that she is indeed a virgin by offering her virginity to him. Right. And before the bishop's son, and this is on the page, is able to consummate with the daughter, the baby itself commands a, a bull standing nearby to kill the bishop's son. Which it does, it Which gores it him does. to death. Yes. In bloody detail, yes. yes. And then the, the, the actual bishop, the father of uh, Fine's character, blames the daughter for this. Uh, she is sentenced to death. But because of the rules that they have with their religion, she can't just be killed because she's a virgin. So they decide that she's instead to be sentenced to be raped 208 times. This is in the aftermath of her murdering the baby. Because the church themselves take command of the baby after the killing of the son and exploits the, the baby's uh, powers, as it were, even further, prompting her to come in and murder the baby, and which then prompts them to sentence her to be raped 208 times, which you see in uh, some detail in uh, towards the film's climax. Mm. Interesting little piece, yeah. Which and this obviously act obviously kills her. Yes, and and, and this this is this particular scene is also. Uh, kind of notable for being it has again that 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 element where the actor yes uh, is you know there's this kind of you know it's supposed to be acting and yet and, and but it's depicted as being real that's um, right the, the two guys holding her down in the bed break character and say fuck it let's do this for real and actually yeah. let people rape the actress as it were so yeah. you, what you're seeing what we're seeing what the audience are seeing is a character being raped. What we are seeing is an actress being raped. Yes, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. Uh, and then obviously the film, the the, the play ends with the uh, the two corpses, uh, you know, uh, Ray Fiennes and Julie Ormond, uh sort of in open coffins, doesn't it? And 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 that's right. A- everyone's taking their curtain call except those two who are really apparently dead. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's right, because the audience actually turn and bow to us, don't they? That's right, yeah. At the end, yeah, yeah. Everyone bows to the audience, and then the audience that are watching the play turn around and bow to uh, the, the cinema goers, as it yeah. were, except uh, those every, two who are lying there dead. <laughs> camera pulls back, yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. Well, we did tell you it'd be weird, folks. <laughs> yeah, but bizarre little film. But how did we get this far into talking about it and Ben not go boobs? Oh, yeah, boobs. Now, um, what do you like about the, the the father? The father of the child who's like tasting them. He wants to taste all these all boobs, boobs to see who would who, <laughs> who who's got the best tasting milk for uh for, for his son. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Too salty. Yeah. I read, I read Too that, fast. That actor got that script and thought, well, there we are. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to do that every day, do you? Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe he does. Um, yeah. 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 Much nudity and, and, and plenty of uh, fines wiener as well. Uh, yes, uh, that's true. Yeah. I yeah. can't say I was spending much time looking at him. Well, it was a. Up, no, Mond. True, true, but, true. Yeah. But, but, but the man was, yeah. you know, had. Yeah, you know, I mean, brave, brave. But I dare say he's at this point done a lot of television and stage work, and you know, used to this sort of behavior. So, sure. uh, if, and if and in very to... capable, very very capable hands and trustworthy hands with Greenaway. Yes, of course. But it, it blows my mind how lovely this film looks, and that's what, like I said, what got me in the first time I saw it. That actually made me go out and go. What the hell did I just watch? Did you go find the newspaper to find out what it was called? Mm-hmm. And then down the, the years, find it on video or disc or whatever it was that I had when I first got it. You, you know, we, uh, we, we, we actually failed to mention the piece de resistance of the, uh, of, of the action, uh, which was the, uh, <laughs> the bit that really, really just kind of went the whole extra bit for me when I watched it, uh, was the uh, dismemberment of the young child. Uh, mm. To be used as uh, as religious sort of uh, you know trinkets, artifacts uh, r- yeah, being right sold off. Yes, yeah. lovely. <laughs> and, and I mean, to, to, now before anyone, I mean, a morality yeah, tale. This is yeah. I mean, obviously, it was done in a way that um, because it's this play within a play type thing, or you know, like a play within a film. Um, some of it is is staged in a way that is obviously made to look like a a, a play so so before anyone thinks that that this film is kind of depicting you know a, a very graphic and um realistic dismemberment of a small child it it yeah. isn't it isn't like quite like that it's 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 that's right but it is quite disturbing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it is disturbing but but like you say it's kind of sumptuously disturbing um, no, absolutely. It's an amazing looking film. The yeah. production design and all that is, is fantastic. Oh, they're second to none. And uh, like I said, the first scene that I remember seeing was her sneaking in to smother this baby to death. And there's just gold everywhere and mm. sheets and everything. I was just like, oh my God, this looks fantastic. And holy shit, there's that girl that I fancy from Legends of the Fall. Yeah. I must watch this. <laughs> and, you, and you get some of those real classic, uh, I mean, uh, those classic um, uh, transitions, you know, when people go through doors. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the camera sort of you know, pans sideways, and, and you know that, that that it's a cut, but it looks like they're going from a room to another room. That's and, right, yeah. Um, and, and you kind of forget that, of course, happens to be a bit of black wall in the way. <laughs> yeah, and you and you kind of forget that that obviously that that the audience you know, in inverted commas, you, you know, outside, you know, they wouldn't be able to see any of this stuff, you know, because it's like through it. But but it's it, you sort of forget that it's kind of very, you know, it's. Uh, it's weird, you know. It's a very strange um, 
movie. Yeah, it, it, ta- it takes yeah. some getting to use, especially the audience, because you've got sort of royal members there, especially that idiot son uh, who looks like Matt Lucas with a wig. That's right, yeah. Questioning everything and always leaping up and down onto the stage and trying to get involved and what have you, making a fool of himself because mm. he doesn't know the difference between mother's milk and a carrier's milk and yeah. all sorts of stuff. And then you've got um, the, the guy from Star Wars, the Imperial Senate, blah, 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 what's his name? Uh, Don <laughs> yeah. Anderson. That's yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in a, again, with, uh, with one of the uh, nice big sort of Charles II wigs on. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I think he got his tackle out as well. Did he? Oh fucking hell! Although, l- luckily, <laughs> luckily he's, he, there was there was enough belly in the way that you couldn't really see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I love films like this. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. but I'm amazed that films like this get made because it's like I mean I I don't know how much it costs, mm. but and it's a good two hours. It's not a short film, and it, it's it's certainly not uh, something that you can just put on and just swallow hole it's you, you need to pay attention if you want to know what's actually going on but it's amazing that films like this actually get or did get made should i say but greenaway got away with it for years yeah so there's obviously a market for this sort of weird stuff yeah I guess. Well, well i mean um i mean i remember when, when um cook came out you know i mean it was a cinema trip for me you know and and, and that mm-hmm. was unusual and i i'm i wasn't really much of a uh, you know, I, I I tended to stick to the kind of more obvious cinema choices, you know, the big the big tent bowl movies, you know. But mm. so this was a kind of an odd one to go and see, and I think it was sort of uh, um, on the back of perhaps uh, uh, Helen Mirren and uh, and yeah. but also I think you know that that particular film had uh, had some uh, had some advertising clout behind it. Um, it did that that one did definitely yeah and yeah. Uh, and of course it was it was um controversial and all the rest of it and there was there was news stories and stuff about it and that's guaranteed to get mm. people to go to the, go to the flicks but yeah i mean it's it's this they are strange and I, i'm glad stuff like that well i mean like, you know it's, i don't know whether whether we, we still get stuff like that or not but uh yeah, well, I mean, I know his career slowed down, but he he, he kept going right into the nineties because, like I said, he did Prospero's book after the Cook, the Thief. Then he did mm. uh, this one, and uh, the one he did after that in the mid nineties was the Pillow Book, which another arty film with lots of nudity in it, which had Ewan McGregor, who had just become a big thing in the UK thanks to Train Spotting. Yeah. So, and I remember that one coming out and being reviewed and going, "Oh, that's not the kind of thing I want to see." Pfft, yeah, whatever. Mm. But after that, it, it's uh, you know things sort of. I mean, he still works and he still is working i think he's got something out this year but it's been um even more artistic fare which even smaller audiences are seeing yeah but what can you do but uh, yeah but lovely looking stuff all the same i mean i actually do recommend this film uh, to people you know people that i know that are have this sort of taste for it and i have actually watched it with my girlfriend who you know, found it a bit bizarre, but because there was a lot of stuff that's literally in your face, the nudity, the violence, the weirdness, and the confusion of the fourth wall sort of going up and down, yeah, it held her attention throughout, so I was very happy that she didn't come out of it going, well, that was shit. Yeah, I Weird, mean, I, definitely, I, I, but not I mean, shit. For me, I, I, I didn't, you know, I went into the, the, the viewing, uh, you know, knowing nothing about it other than what you mm. already told me. Um, and so and I have to say it took um you know it took ten fifteen minutes to settle down into the format you know to kind of mm. just just get a feel for okay, this is what it's doing you know because mm-hmm. I, I was thinking 
because uh, for, for, for that first sort of 10 minutes, I was thinking this was some kind of uh, prologue, you know, some kind of thing. And, th- and then the actual sort of film would start, you know, this was some kind of strange uh, play and uh, prologue. Yeah. And then it would, it would expand out into a more sort of, uh, you know, typical type of uh, cinematography, um, you know, sort of, you know, how, how it would play, play out. And, and, and it doesn't do that, you know, it stays in the play and yeah. then you have this kind of, you know, like you say, you have the sort of fourth wall going up and down and and the the audience there sometimes interacting and, and, and then obviously by the end, us, us ourselves being uh, part of the show, you know, and, and being being referred to by the audience and, and players of the play. And it's, so it's a bit, you know, it's a very bizarre film, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, great. I, I, I thought, I thought it was really good. And, um, you know, and again, visually just stunning. You know, really, really amazing. Plus, of yeah. course, boobs, boobs, <laughs> lots, and a whole lot of naked Julia Ormond, which is always yeah. a great thing. I mean, bless her heart, my <laughs> especially God, in nineteen ninety three. She was sixteen kinds of naked in that film, and and and, mm. and you know, uh, and, and yeah, sort of scenes where she's the only one who's naked, and everyone else is in the scene and fully clothed, and she's kind of pretty exposed i mean that's a that's a pretty brave actress right there absolutely hmm. <laughs> i mean not that she's got anything i mean yeah she's a fabulous looking woman but i mean you know it's just that 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 level of nudity you know complete sort of just holy shit you know, she is 50 now yeah wow hmm. yeah it all kind of went pear-shaped in sabrina which was only two years after well actually first night and remember fucking first night jesus christ yeah I that. um yeah and sabrina um i remember that that's when hollywood went whoa maybe you're not quite what we want uh and, yeah, and then she still that, worked but then she did yeah. a lot of smaller films i remember there was one called um it was based on a book called i think it was miss miller's sense of snow feeling for snow or something in the, hang on, in the film the film is called uh, Smiller's Sense of Snow, based right. on a book and a thriller uh, made in 1997, and that was pretty good. In fact, that's what she did immediately after these Hollywood films all sort of went bust. Mm. But from there onwards, it was all just sort of stuff that you'd probably never heard of. The Prime Gig, Resistance, I Know Who Killed Me, Surveillance, mm. you know? But then I remember she sort of came back in a couple of films, and I was like, oh, there she is, because she was in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. She was literally. She was playing the daughter, yeah. uh, having the story narrated to her. That's yeah. Right. yeah. And then she almost made it into Man of Steel as Russie's wife. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But for some reason, either had to drop out or got kicked out. I, I don't know which. Yeah. So that wasn't fun. No, I always liked her. I always thought she was great, uh, and I did enjoy her in uh, Legends of the Fall as well. The one that sort of really sort of broke her out. I did. I, I I get a lot of flack for like for liking the film uh, in in really? general. Yeah, uh, definitely mm. from sort of friends and family, uh, especially particularly family. You know, um, yeah. I, but I, you know, I, I mean, it is you know total sort of over the top, you know, melodrama. But I I thought you know yeah I like it. <laughs> I was like hey because you had uh, the kid from ET you know who had been yeah. gone for a while. I was like hey there's Henry Thomas oh, oh right. but there he was anyway. There he was, yeah. <laughs> Aiden Quinn, who I've Aiden always Quinn. been a huge fan of, and you know, yeah. Brad Pitt, you know, was obviously doing the the good-looking, long-haired thing at the time. She yeah. was good. Hopkins was good. No, it was a good film. I really enjoyed it, and I loved what. I, I don't want to spoil. It. I don't want to spoil it, but I love what happens with her character at the end. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah, really yeah. enjoyed that. Oh, I, I might have to put that up for uh, if we run out of things to talk about one day. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, yeah, why not? Talk anyway. about the fault. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So, anything else you want to mention about this trippy movie? Um, <laughs> I would say I would just sort of reiterate what you've already said, which is that I, I think you. Sh- it is one of those movies that that I think is good to recommend to people, especially obviously people. Um, perhaps who are not too um you know sensitive perhaps yes but 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 certainly anyone with an interest in sort of you know a diff- different kinds of films and you know things that are a little bit you know left of center you know this is a terrific kind of example of just a different way of making a movie and uh, yeah absolutely go for it yeah making it look good too well mm. i'm going to give it a rating then i'm a solid 4 for this yeah i think i'd agree yeah, yeah. excellent Excellent. Right, well, the uh, second half of our little double bill here is Neil Jordan's The Company of Wolves. Now, this one I've been a fan of for a very long time. I remember when this one was coming out because they showed clips on uh, the old film shows on TV. The one being, uh, the the main clip that I remember seeing was at the, uh, in one of the stories that Grandma's telling, is the the wedding, where the wedding party all turned into wolves. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And And this is, again, another case of you know some fairly decent uh, transformation effects being put into good use throughout the film but yes um the company of rules when did you first see i this? S- i saw it at the pictures get the yep. fuck out really uh, you got, yep. went and saw this on the big screen oh, i did lucky yeah i have seen it on i've seen it at the bfi since and uh-huh. yeah love it oh we should mention the blu-ray and how fu- what do you think of the blu-ray yeah it was a yeah not not the best um, shocking yeah. Shocking, shocking, and the DVD. Well, it's basically just the DVD put on Blu-ray because I had the DVD beforehand. Uh-huh. Lovely steelbook edition, and the picture is fucking shocking. It needs a clean. Yes, just want to get that off my uh, shoulder. <laughs> but it has got a commentary by Neil Jordan. Bless him. Yes, it does. Um, I Neil Jordan. I people listen to it yet, by the way. But I oh, it's be. good. Oh, he's good. He, he's yeah. uh, he's he's always a good uh, commentary host. He, he's never short of things to say. Yeah. yeah, people will know him. I suppose to relate to this, I uh, uh, would be Interview with a Vampire. He directed that yeah. about yeah. ten years after this. This is nineteen eighty-four. Is that right? Eighty-four. Is. Yeah. Eighty-four. Cry- yeah. So yeah, the Crying Game, of course. And yeah, Crying Game. Something a bit more uh, realistic. Because either doing sort of realistic dramas or thrillers, usually set yeah. in Ireland. Yeah. Being an Irishman himself, uh, mm. or you get things that are slightly fantasy or fantasy thriller tinged with this. And have you ever seen the thriller with Robert Downey Jr. and Annette Benning and Aidan Quinn? And it's called In Dreams. Oh yes, uh, where Downey Jr. Not... plays a serial killer. Don't know. Doesn't. It's, doesn't it's really bizarre, but again, fucking beautiful to look at. Uh, mm. It's not. A, it's not a great film by any means. And in fact, I think it got panned by the critics actually, but. It's uh, really good, you know. Uh, characters going insane, but there's also a serial killer in there, and lots of apple and fairy tale imagery uh, going on. It's it's a wonderful looking film. Anyway, mm-hmm. getting off anyway. the uh, the beaten track, back to the company of wolves. Yes. So you lucky swine, you got to go see it uh, when it came out. I did. Yeah. Mind you, I was what eight. <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, it was a bit of a naughty one for me. I was only sort of barely fourteen. How the um, fuck did you get in? I just used to get in, man. I mean, you know, I, I, we used to... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we used to do lots of things like that. I mean, I said... I mentioned the other day when we did our... Uh, 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 what, what podcast was it? Oh, I think... No, I think it's right. I was listening to the... 
part one of the Ridley podcast mm-hmm. and uh, mentioning uh, uh, Harvey Keitel. And I said that the first thing I saw him in was Saturn 3. And I yeah. saw that at the cinema and I was 10. And that was a, <laughs> that was a 15 type movie. I mean, that was a that was a violent, bloody movie. Uh, and, and I was taken to see it thinking because it was space. You know, because yeah. it, it was science fiction, that it would be sort of, uh, it's okay, it's science fiction, but... Yeah, man. Buck Rogers! And if memory serves, it, it, it might actually be the film that... I remember there was at least one time when my father managed to argue the price of my ticket down to a child ticket, even though the film was completely unsuitable <laughs> for a child. I know that there was at least one instance where he managed to somehow talk his way into that. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, I, I, yes, I saw a lot of stuff like that and this was one of them and I loved it. And I, I, I remember the, um, I remember the sort of film 84 or whatever it would have been Barry Norman, you know, and stuff yeah. and, and the various scenes. There was, there was the scene you mentioned, the sort of, uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, where they all turn into wolves. Um, and there was another one that was, a, I think, clip that was going around, which was partly to do with the um, the dude who turns in, yeah, the kind of the the dude whose eyebrows meet, um, the Wolfman well, guy. They they um, all do, don't they? What the 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 one the, the, in the, hand, story? the handsome guy, yeah, in the story. Oh, yeah. the the one that's actually playing the big bad wolf at the yeah, end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he um, he his. Uh, um, him with the wolf coming out of his mouth tends to be on all the video covers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. showing off that thing. And that always used to put me off. <laughs> to be a little bit sque- a bit more squeamish when I was younger, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that uh yeah, yeah, the handsome dude. The other one I, the other one I was thinking of was in one of the earlier stories, which is Stephen Ray, who is an actor that always works with um Neil Jordan. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, cause it's, this is basically um uh, a bizarre and more ad- adult take on the fairy tale. Um as seen through the eyes of Angela Carter, who is a, a feminist writer at the time. Um, she's mm. sadly passed away in the early 90s, but she co-wrote the screenplay adapting her own short story, obviously based on Little Red Riding Hood, with Neil Jordan, and Jordan obviously directed it. And a- again, you've got this weird reality-on-reality thing going on, because you have a girl um, called uh, Rosaline, who is sleeping at home in her big stately home, big country manor, and um, the, the dad is David Warner, the mum, whoever, and then there's the bully sister who's always picking on her, and she's sleeping in her bedroom, and she literally is dreaming of what we then see, which is this, this uh, the same family, but they live in the woods instead, as part of a small community, and the community is, I don't want to say hounded by by wolves. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and quite often she goes off on the the uh, trail to go visit her grandmother, and the grandmother is forever her telling her tales and warning her about uh, s- certainly the viciousness and vicious nature of men and what men wants. While she's always being uh, she's always being chased by the uh, the the amorous young boy as well, <laughs> the ginger haired kid that wants to get in her pants. Yeah, uh, Angela Lansbury, you know. Angela Lansbury, that's right, yeah. as the uh, uh, the grandmother, grandmother. and uh, c- quite often you will see visualizations of the story uh, the, the short stories that she tells um, yes. her granddaughter and it all wraps up in the end with the eponymous trip to grandma's and her encountering the uh, handsome uh, stranger who turns out to be uh, the big bad wolf himself that's right yes so it's all i don't want to say all but there's a lot of coming of age and sort of sexual imagery throughout like you get in a lot of fairy tales anyway but they make them a little bit more explicit with actual violence and actual nudity and actual stories of well basically coming of age yeah 
Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that Angela Carter just arrived on in her literature, because I read quite a bit of it. I don't know if you... Have you read any of her stuff? No, I haven't. No, no. The Magic Toy Shop is the one that I... Of, of many, but the, the main one that I would direct people to, because the opening chapter of that book is just insane. It's It's just so well written, and she captures basically a, a child discovering their sexuality at that at that age mm. so well in the opening chapter it's, it's just unreal yes yeah, so well so well written yeah so she knows this kind of shit inside and out mm-hmm. 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 Now, see see what i like about uh, uh, uh this movie uh which is kind of one of the sort of things that makes it can make it slightly difficult to watch is is the fact that the the various little sub stories and uh, the, interwoven into the sort of main narrative that, that you don't always have clear transitions or, or separations with them, do you? They, they, yes. to, you know, so, so sometimes, you know, if you're not paying attention, you can get lost. You know, you can think, well, oh, sure, yeah. you know, shit, well, hang on a minute. Two seconds ago, I was, you know, <laughs> here and now I'm here. And why, who are these people having dinner around this table and changing into wolves? What's that about? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the only rough transition you get is literally right at the very beginning. As you see her dreaming, you hear the music yeah. going, you know, sort of twinkling away. And yeah. you're like, oh, and, and it's zooming in on her face. So you're like, all right, okay, we're off into dreamlands. And then you, mm. that's where you get that opening sort of slow motion piece, or some of it slow motion, of the older sister running through the forest. Yeah. And I, I love this sequence where she's running through this forest and it's populated by giant toys, yes. all of which are, uh, are, in are, uh, are in the bedroom. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. And she's being chased by wolves. And eventually she, she does get killed by wolves. I got a lot of inspiration from that scene in particular. From this film, I got a lot of inspiration from when I was writing. Used to do a lot of creative writing back in the day, and this was one of the big ones that I came to. That sequence in particular really does it for me. Just the the, the surrealness of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that thing where you have the the, the toy in the bedroom, and then you have the kind of giant size, you know, exact copy of the toy out, mm. out in the woods there. But but the, but there, and there's a there's a, a sort of disturbing quality to these toys isn't there and and, mm. and obviously it's part of a sort of nightmare or dream sequence and the, the other thing I thought that was amazing about that scene was you know this is uh-huh. obviously pre-CG pre any kind of yeah. you know real uh, special uh, effects work in, in terms of putting things into the frame that weren't really there and, mm-hmm. and the fact that she you know she's running through this uh, presumably the uh, a set that they've you know a forest set uh, that they've created <clears throat> and mm-hmm. man there are a ton of t- dogs chasing her you know and they're really going you know i mean i mean obviously yeah. you know m- most of them are sort of alsatians and stuff like that. i mean appa- apparently i was reading the page and you know that they, they were mostly alsatians and some wolves i was thinking and yeah. some wolves um <laughs> uh, but i thought you know watching that scene especially some of the, the couple of the slow motion shots or the sort of you know the very detailed shots of of these uh, all these dogs just kind of leaping through and chasing her through you know uh, it's you know i thought that was visually you know great you know really mm. good. um yeah, yeah. No, and, and stunning, then stunning these toys as well it's like oh man mm. it's night- nightmarish but he'll sometimes even get the camera right up on the trees looking down and you got that mm. really fucking gorgeous sort of autumn leaf fallen look mm-hmm. about about this woods yeah oh no no he uh, he knows how to make his, his stuff look really good that's why i'm yeah. gutted that neil jordan doesn't do more fantasy stuff 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a weird, weird sort of companion piece, uh, in a way. To, to after talking about Legend recently, you know, this uh-huh. I, this idea of this kind of more adult interpretation of, of, of the sort of kids' fairy tale. Yep. You know, um, and there, there's sort of certain parallels with, between the two. Although, of course, this is, was an 18, wasn't it? I mean, this was oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, Legend, another bit of big source of uh, that I drew from when I was doing a lot of writing. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but I mean, that sequence with the giant toys also reminds me a little bit, going into science fiction, of uh, Akira. You remember? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he's on the hospital bed and he, he sees the little toys come to life and he's trying to sure. grab them and then suddenly giant ones appear. Yeah. yeah. Surreal. Yeah. <clears throat> I was actually at one point going to adapt Alice in Wonderland and the uh, the sequel Alice Through the Looking Glass mm-hmm. uh, into my own version of the story. I, was gonna, I thought I'll do what Angela Carter did and I'll do this, you know, dark fantasy version of Alice in Wonderland. And... <laughs> And, you want to, and I've still got the notes for this, right? I've got the synopsis, the whole thing planned out from start to finish. I just didn't get around to actually writing the thing. But <laughs> this is, uh, bear in mind that this is 90s when I wrote this, right? And do you, do you want to know what my note says next to it? Because uh, basically, if I, would, if I would tell people about this, I, I would, because I visualize a lot of the things that I write, you know, as if I was making a film in my head. And I've got... I want to do Alice in Wonderland as if it was directed by Tim Burton. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, oh, dear. Uh, oh, my God. Be careful and what you then wish for. Fucking, oh, God. It's <laughs> wrong. Yeah, very wrong. But you can, but you can imagine. It's more, it should be more of a case of, I, I want to do Alice in Wonderland, what Neil Jordan did to Little Red Riding Hood in the Company of Rules. That's what I, I should have meant to have said. But you can see how I made the link to Tim Burton at that time. Yes, of course. Yeah. With practical sets and what have you and things being you know a bit dark and twisted, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, not this fucking CG nightmare that came out in the 2000s. Yeah, awful. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you might find that quite amusing. Yes. Yeah, well, I think one day I should probably get round to actually writing that, see what happens. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Now, what about Terence Stamp as he, in his cameo as the devil? Yeah, yeah, good to see him in that. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Charming uh, young man and, yeah, giving them uh, chest hair. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, Commentary's great. Apparently he did the role for a suit. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, he is good. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those movies that uh, weirdly, um, I can't remember what it was we were talking about uh, before. There was something where you know it's one of those movies that seems to uh, it's it's lodged in the mind. Yeah, anyone who saw it at the time. In fact, it mm. was it was legend. I think that we were saying the same thing about was mm-hmm. that you know th- these were not necessarily staggeringly successful films um, yeah. or anything like that, but but. But the people that saw them, and you know, it seemed to connect, you know. And I and, and I know that talking about, um, you know, when you mention uh, the Company of Wolves, uh, you know, even now, you know, you, I, I, there's a lot of folks in my sort of circle, um, friends and family, who who you know respond and go, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember that. It was great, you know. Mm. Um, we, you know, in a sort of fashion, in a, w- a way that seems to be sort of, um, you know. Uh, uh, sort of bigger than than you'd expect for a film like this you know but i think a lot of people of the right age group will who are in the uk will remember the same advertising that we saw the clips on the the film shows because they did stand out yeah 
yeah, you know, yeah, I, I mean, werewolf films were quite pop. Well, were very popular at the time, and this was certainly one of the ones that were on the on the table. So people will rem- will remember that imagery. Mm. I mean, this was a few years after the big sort of glut of of you know howling and American yeah. werewolf and stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah it kind of. Um, it, it was an interesting. I, I, one of the things that I remember at the time being really um, impressed by was was the fact that you know coming as it was a few years after American Wealth in London, Howling, Wolven, it was completely different from any of those films. You know, it was it was like you say, like it's the fairy tale, it's Little Red Riding Hood, it's surreal, it's kind of a very different type of film. Um, yet. Yet, yet, very deservedly, sort of part of that pantheon of, of uh, you know genre sort of movies, you know. Definitely. Now, yeah. as a, a eighteen rated, unless the ratings come down to a fifteen, you never know. But as a, a an adult, a, a film aimed at adults about children's fairy tales, uh, what did you? How did you feel about the execution of that visually? Because I thought, like for example, when Grandma gets killed, she literally gets her head knocked off. Yeah. As you would read in a fairy tale, and it just sort of smashes on the ground into it's like porcelain pieces or something. Yeah. Um, I loved the execution of it visually, not just the effects work, but actually incorporating the effects work to make them as grotesque as possible or as childlike. Um, in the way that they manage them as possible, like with someone getting their head knocked off, it literally will just get knocked off. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a sort of a, uh, there's the sort of um, uh, absurdist sort of yeah uh, aspect to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Some of the yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah, because obviously a lot of this stuff could be um, you know it could have just been staged in the sort of classic horror type of way, um, yeah. and there are moments where it does go that sort of route like the transformation sequence although yep. it's very 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 original uh looking you know there mm-hmm. uh, there are some kind of horrific uh sort of classic horror elements of some of that stuff mm-hmm. but 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 the film you know uh, does steer away from that stuff uh on occasion as well and that's that's a good example you know um mm. and and you know it's it's just totally in keeping with the sort of surrealist you know fairy tale type uh, you know, but you know, um, and really, although it's an eighteen, you know, it is kind of representative of of the sort of terror that those fairy tales uh, have for young, young children. You know, they are scary. You know, Hans Christian Hansen and, Gr- and Grimm's Tales and all those. Sort of, they are scary. They're supposed mm. to be scary. You know, there's aspects of. Um, there's aspects of of the classic Disney, you know, interpretations even that of fairy tales that are that they maintain that scariness. You know, there are elements that are truly um, scary. You know, for for the for the ch- child audience, and obviously this yeah. is a is a way of interpreting interpreting that for an adult audience, and it, and I think it works really well. You know, it's uh, it, it is surreal and it is kind of absurdist and it is, um, you know just sort of it really works on that on that level you know and i think if 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 all those effects had been done in a more kind of visceral horror type way it wouldn't have been as effective yeah always good Mm. to see david warner and brian glover as well yeah solid as they are solid (laughs) yeah Yeah. and then the lead girl uh, i should say whose name is sarah patterson i thought Mm. was terrific Uh, shame she never really went on to do much beyond this there's yeah, like a few a few sort of uh, films to her name, and that's it. Yeah, mm. weird, wasn't it? And then, of course, right mm. at the end, we have um, uh, Daniel Dax uh, turning up, who 
you might know from her she, her being a sort of weird pop uh, alternative music person who was no sort of, you didn't know oh uh, yeah who's she in the film she's the the the, the she wolf at the end the naked uh, oh the uh, hairy woman whose eyebrows yeah. are all over the fucking shop yeah 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, she, that was Daniel Dex, and um, yeah, she was a kind of um, like avant-garde sort of weird alternative, um, you know, uh, musician, writer, artist type person. Oh God, I just watched a film about people like that called Frank, and it made me want to punch everybody on screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Frank Sidebottom <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, the, the yeah. fine art of the music world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got something that I need to admit about this film and okay. it, it, I don't know why um, I've never tried to have a conversation with anyone about this before but I'm going to have one now and you might just go I don't fucking know or you may have an answer what the fuck is that thing she finds in the tree uh, that comes out the egg there's like the little person I was like what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> I, what's, uh, that, what's that meant to symbolise I, I, I don't yeah. yeah, and all that. Do you need to be a girl to know this? Because she goes home and shows her mum, doesn't she? Look, mummy, what I found, and it's like this little baby thing, a person in in an egg. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know Every time I watch it, that's the one part that I always go, I don't know what's going on. Here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, never mind. Great. Well, I just admitted that to the board for no reason. Someone yeah. out, somewhere is laughing at me, going, "Oh, you idiot!" Yeah, you couple of idiots. You don't know what that means. It's symbol. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like um, with many other films we talk about, I wish they'd make more stuff like this. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So creative and fucking gorgeous looking. And, which I've also not mentioned, this film is in my top ten. Ah, there you are. Of all-time favourite films, this is in my top ten, and it has been for a while. The lower half of the top ten, but it's, it is most definitely uh, in there. Um, I don't see it dropping much below that, if I'm honest. Mm. Love the company rules. Yeah, fabulous. I don't think it's in my top 10, but probably top 20, I would imagine. Really? Uh, Ooh, yeah, I think so. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, it's, wow. It's definitely one that's been in there. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of one of those ones that, like I said, I think sometimes when you see movies, um, uh, you know, the, the time in your life that you see them can be really key. And, oh, definitely. Um, you know, <laughs> that's why Heather's is riding so high up in my top 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um and you know, I don't know. They just you just connect with them, and uh, so and this is one of those films. You know, um, yeah, it it did make a make an impact at the time um, in a way that it's difficult to actually explain. Really, even after yeah. sort of waxing lyrical about how nice it looks and all the other things that we like about it. No, absolutely. I, I might, for me, it's a bit easier because I can also then say it impacted the style of writing that I. Adopted are the things that I wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably more clear. Uh, and if I was a published writer, I could point people to them. And that may be a, 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 a career move I'm, I'll be moving back to in my later life. So we'll see. But uh, this film, and again, like with Legend, definitely influenced the stuff that I wanted to write about. And films like Blade Runner and Akira as well, which we've, we've uh, name dropped. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So huge, huge influence on me. And so naturally, it's a five star rating for me. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and more people need to see it. Yeah, I uh, I say it's. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I wasn't expecting to give it a five star. It's definitely a four, <laughs> if not a four and a half. 
I would imagine if it's in your top 20 yeah, of all time films, it's going to be... It's going to be a four and a half, I suppose. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to give it a five. I, I don't know why. I feel like I shouldn't, even though it's in my top 20. Fair enough. Reason. But four and a half, yeah. Excellent. Deserves yeah, there's, I'm looking at my top 10 now, and there's a whole, there's still a whole bunch that I've not talked about on the podcast. Mm. That's very unselfish of me. Yeah, it's terrible. Not talked about Vertigo, not talked about Last of the Higgins, and I sure as shit I won't be doing that with you. <laughs> Heathers, uh, not talked about. Citizen uh, Kane, not talked about. Die Hard, we will get round to yeah. as well. Princess Bride, well, uh, we mentioned Princess Bride in the fantasy podcast, but I mean, we need to do a proper job on that one. Yeah. We shall see. We anyway, shall see. that wasn't so bad. That wasn't no. so bad. That was, that was something two, different. Two, two recommendations, you know, yeah. two high, very highly recommended weird films. Excellent. Yeah. If you're in a weird mood, there's a couple of there's a good weirdo double bill for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, next week we'll be back to the usual shite probably. <laughs> next week, Adam Sandler. Yeah. yeah. 